Colin, I want to make a Godzilla movie. I like that idea, Greg. That's yeah, I like that. An idea. American Godzilla movie. Greg, I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes. This is the podcast where we take movies that are almost really, really good, but make them really, really good. Part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. My name is Colin McIntyre. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. This is a special episode, friends, because many, many moons ago, when Gregory and I met uh, in, a, in a dimly lit bar at the cantina in Moss Eisley, pitching the idea for a movie podcast, he was like, we should do Godzilla. And I'm like, that's a great idea. And then a guy got his arm cut off. <laughs> and then a guy got his arm cut off. And Everything then got really weird. Ten years later, we're finally doing Godzilla, the 2014 uh, Godzilla movie. Yeah, so it's been a long time coming. This is not the Matthew Broderick, uh, Roland Emmerich, uh, great soundtrack, lousy movie, uh, Godzilla. This is 2014, directed by Gareth Edwards, who went on to direct uh, Star Trek Rogue One. Uh, it stars uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, uh, Ken Watatambi, Elizabeth Olsen, Sally Hawkins, briefly, Brian Cranston, and even more briefly, Juliette uh, Binoche. Um, cost $160 million to make, but made $529 million and is the first of the legendary uh, studio's MonsterVerse, quote mark, quote mark. Um, yeah, so this was supposed to be sort of like a, a franchise kicker, yeah. so to speak. Which I think this this is still kind of uh, a shared universe that kind of exists. Sort of. Sort of. Kind it of. Didn't, it didn't quite go down the tubes the way Universal's Dark Universe did. No. Yeah, and isn't there some indication that maybe Kong Skull Island is in the same universe? Yep. Yeah. yeah, actually. Because I think that they, the one of the goals is to eventually have King Kong and Godzilla team up so, in all these movies. Yeah, actually, so, yeah, actually, this is, um, so, record, we're, uh, so, obviously, there is a new Godzilla movie coming out, Godzilla King Around the time that you're listening to this, yeah. if, if we've timed it correctly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but actually, there's supposedly Godzilla versus Kong is to be released in uh, 2020. Oh, and you know that they're going to team up before the end of that. It's yeah. like superhero movie. Yeah. They, they fight for a while, and then a bigger, batter monster comes along, and they're like, oh, crap, we have yeah. to fight that guy. Uh, so, as we set this movie up, let's listen to the movie trailer and then we will get into the I have some notes plot summary I want to talk to somebody in charge you are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster you're lying it was not an earthquake it wasn't a typhoon because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there And it is going to send us back to the Stone Age. In 1999, 
Joe Heisenberg Brody and his wife are working at the only nuclear plant in Japan run by white people when a mysterious earthquake destroys the plant. His wife dies in the disaster, leaving Joe to pick up the pieces of his life and learn the truth about who or what killed her. Joe also has a son, but he's super boring and we won't worry about him. Fifteen years later, Joe discovers a giant monster egg had been feeding on the nuclear plant for its radiation and is ready to hatch. Will Joe discover the origins of this wondrous monster? Nope, he dies. But the monster calls another monster that wakes up, and that monster's name is Godzilla. And he is the alpha predator, so you know what that means. That's right, they're gonna swim together all the way across the Pacific so this movie can have a proper American setting. I will say the one thing about uh, this Godzilla movie is that the marketing overall, having we just listened to the trailer, is was quite good. Like re- it really got me yeah, hyped. For this the movie. trailer was great. Yeah, and uh, all the the posters and all that stuff all looked fantastic. The the uh, the the smoke diving scene that they sort of centered all the uh, all the marketing around was uh, was a it's a good visual, um, so they they did a great job getting me my butt in the in the seat. I mean, I was probably going to go in there anyway because it said Godzilla and and anything that's like vaguely science fiction. I'm like, I'm there. But good job, movie studio. Good job, legendary. Yeah. So the the the, the scene that scene in the trailer where they're where they're kind of doing the halo jump with like yeah like the red smoke mm-hmm. is actually in the movie and uh, well, I'll talk about it as kind of like my keeps and cuts. But yeah, I remember just being sort of like when the trailer comes out, I'm like, what is this? Like I was like intrigued like from the get go, and so yeah, I was fully on board to 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 watch the movie. And I would say I would say actually as movies go on this podcast, I feel like Godzilla is actually in the in the level of. Actually, not all that bad. Needs some finishing. It needs some work, but it's not. It's definitely not in the level of some like the, the previous episodes, like Transformers or Spider Man Three, where it's like it's got some heavy flaws. It 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 needs a polish. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird movie in that it starts off with a pretty heart wrenching, gut wrenching scene. Yeah, and then the rest of the movie doesn't really have any heart at all. Yeah. You know, and to me, that's sort of the central flaw in all of it. Yeah. My issue was that, and I said this to Anita, it felt like there was a pretty okay human drama taking place in front of a much better giant monster kaiju movie that I desperately wanted to see, (laughs) and the movie kept trying to keep me away from. Yeah. Which got frustrating towards the end. Yeah. And so my fix like I'm just going to say right off the off the cuff, my fix is going to be focused on how do we how do we bring those two movies closer together? Yeah, really. It's not often that I watch a movie for this podcast. Most of my default my default feeling after watching a movie this podcast is I am never ever watching this movie again. <laughs> uh, where I feel like this one was like I would still watch it again, but this it did kind of reveal some flaws that did really bug me. So. Um, like, do you guys feel the same way? Like, are you like, do you like this movie? Do you, did you hate it? Like, what? Uh, like, where? Where, where are we? There, sitting? Are, there are definitely pieces of it that I really like. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love the design of Godzilla. He, we were talking off air that he, in the best possible way, he looks like a, a man in a suit. Yeah, a no. giant man in a giant suit. I and that is, I am a hundred percent behind Greg on that one. Like, he he looks like Godzilla should look. Yeah, yeah. The the Muto 
is a little too Cloverfield for me, I guess. Um, yeah, there's there's something, and and this was I'm going to say a limitation to the the character designs in the old Toho movies because they were guys in rubber suits. So there was a limitation to what you could build. Even then, there's some really impressive looking monsters. Um, the Mutos felt a little too over-designed, if that makes sense. They were really... They were too busy, and they were they were too busy in that we can do whatever we... In the same way the Transformers are in the Transformers movies. And that's perhaps a really unfair comparison. But they, they designed them in a very unrealistic way because they could do it on computers. Yeah. And they didn't design it from the perspective of, could we put a man in a rubber suit that looked like this? Which in my mind, is how a Toho monster should be designed. Are you talking about just, like, uh, like the glowing eyes or, like, the like the wings and everything? Like, what's what was kind of... Just the way that they were, the way that they looked, the way they were articulated. Uh, you you kind of... You were kind of right when you said they looked kind of Cloverfield monsterish. I felt... Yeah, yeah. They, and, and, and sort of, like... <laughs> the best way I can describe it is, like, it, like you say, they're, like, being over-designed. Like, you think of, like, a, uh, like an old classic, like, Mustang car right and you know that the original car had like these these nice curves all about it and then you get into further and further revisions of it and then it and uh you know in the modern era it's this really weird like crazy angular type car and that's what it, that's what the mutos look to me they look like an over-designed car yeah like you Colin pulled up some photos and it's kind of unfair to refer to them to, for the people who are listening to us, but I can't imagine a person in a rubber suit that looked like that. No. And that to me makes it a really odd design. And I mean, granted we're getting Mothra in the next movie and Mothra is awesome. And Mothra is also not a person in a rubber suit, but Mothra <laughs> traditionally is like a per on the end of a stick. Someone's holding. <laughs> so I'm willing to buy that, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it felt like the design for them didn't quite, mesh with godzilla's design i guess is kind yeah, of fundamentally I mean, where i'm going I, they're different species and so it didn't necessarily yeah. bother me fair a enough ton. it was just like they just it's it, the they felt just a little too angular for me but that uh, you know it's it, was it felt fine. felt very starship troopers to me they look like those aliens and mm, starship yeah, I troopers guess a little bit fair enough. certainly they're, they're very certainly, the, certainly in the yeah. mouth did yeah 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 yeah, yeah they're, they're yeah. definitely very buggish yeah, yeah. um or do we do you want to just jump into keeps and cuts? Or what do we, what do we keep? What are we keeping in this movie? Um, keeping Brian Cranston longer. <laughs> That's what I would say. Yeah, this movie wastes Brian Cranston and wastes Ken Watanabe, oh, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. because they are both excellent actors who were not given nearly enough to do in this film. Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was my point. <laughs> yeah, the I, I'm not sure. Like I, again, like the designs, I would uh, the aesthetic of the movie overall, I would I would keep, and and this is kind of a strength of Gareth Edwards, right? So I mean, his his Rogue One movie looked great, monsters looked great, so he's not he's very accomplished in that regard. I would keep I like I can, I would keep uh, most of the the beats of and the plot. I think I'm I'm all for in keeping. Like I, I kind of I kind of like the idea of. Uh, like I, have, I haven't seen many Godzilla movies. I, I'm unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm limited to to kind of like the American ones. Uh, so, um, but under understanding that part of the lore of Godzilla is that Godzilla, from what I understand, starts off as obviously being the the city destroying monster, but then over time in the films, kind of evolves into into like a hero almost. He's sort of like 
Yeah, uh, he's you know fighting the other monsters. So so I so I, I did like I did like that where it was where they brought that forward where it was like, hey, Godzilla is here to kind of save us, even if he has to trash some things in the process. Um, Godzilla is going to step on a few buildings, but yeah. he's going to save the human race. Yeah. But uh, but like so I, I so but like as far as like yeah, but like the plot, I'm okay with the plot. I'm kind of I'm over. I'm happy with everything else. Most of the characters. I kind of like, except for one big glaring one, which we'll get to when we start doing the cuts. But I mean, I think overall, like, yeah, like Greg says, it looks great. It feels great. The sound is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really like uh, the sound of uh, the, when like the, 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 the first Muto is like charging up in like the facility where it's all those pulses are starts yeah, the, faster and faster. Like the that sound really design cool. in this movie is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the atomic breath, which we, yeah. we which we which we rewatched before uh, recording, just uh, um, like that's super cool. Like, yeah, like it's it's a yeah that, it's a, that moment it's a pretty the, cap captivating movie. Yeah, that moment in the theater uh, for me when the when the Godzilla was winding up his atomic breath, uh, you know, and the scene everything's quite dark, and then you just see the the scales on his tail start to light up, and it just goes all the way up his back, and you get this. Really loud in the theater, and it was so cool. Yeah, there's a lot to gush about about this movie. I'm not going to lie. Again, there's some screws that can be tightened. Yes, but like keep wise, I'm kind of on the same boat. There's there's a lot of good stuff here. I definitely keep the uh, the Muto hunting society that Ken Watanabe and Mrs. Brown from Paddington are in charge of. Yeah, um, I I would have liked to have seen more of them. Yeah. Frankly. I liked the the military's approach to how to deal with them, where they're like trying to bring out bigger and bigger guns, and they're not certain what to do about Godzilla because Godzilla is obviously another giant monster that's wanting to cause us harm. And Ken Watanabe is like, "No, you misunderstand. Godzilla is one of the good guys, and he's trying to like impart that." Uh, I thought the relationship between him and the admiral was really good. Um, yeah, and the monster fight that we finally get movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is pretty good. So, yeah. That's a big complaint about this movie is that Godzilla isn't in it enough. And uh, that's never that's never bothered me. And I, and I don't think it's a requirement for a Godzilla movie to have Godzilla in it an X amount of minutes, right? <laughs> Scott <laughs> Colin and I Scott, both raised our hands Scott and I, to interject. I think Scott and I have the same factoid. Well, I'll, let Scott, you go for it. My, my thinking on that specifically is... Um, I kind of agree with you, and I think that the reason why they did that was because they're assuming that a lot of the people who are coming in to see the movie are coming in to see it on the Godzilla name, but aren't necessarily big Godzilla fans, and don't know that Godzilla's history in the old Toho movies is that he's actually one of the good guys. Like, Godzilla's here to help defend the Earth against giant monsters and save the human race. And so by kind of introducing Godzilla as this, like, unknown force earlier on and then we kind of keep him in reserve we're not certain what exactly is going on with him until closer to the end when it's like oh no he's definitely one of the good guys that's that's a fun reveal for the people who aren't as steeped in the godzilla lore yeah and i can see why they would build it up that way to the reveal of oh he's one of he's on our side yeah kick kick some butt godzilla like i can see why that would be that would be a really cool moment for somebody Unlike me, who doesn't know that Godzilla is one of the good guys. There was a factoid I'd read somewhere, and I wrote a note about it, and I can't find the note. But basically, it was something along the lines of that Godzilla is actually has 13 minutes of screen time in this movie. 
which for people who are like, well, why isn't he in the movie more? But actually, that 13 minutes is actually the most he's actually ever been in any Godzilla movie. <laughs> so that's just so that's apparently tradition. I gave him any, but I mean, like, it's pretty hard to fill two hours of. I know, and, but then, so. thinking back on it, that's actually a, f- a fair uh, description of a Godzilla movie. It's giant monster shows up and starts wrecking the earth. Yeah, uh, Japanese usually authorities are like, "Oh God, there's a mon- what are we going to throw all the bombs at it? The bombs did it- the bombs just made it angry. What are we going to do? Somebody call Godzilla!" And then Godzilla heroically shows up in the third act he, he, and kicks some butt. He answers the phone. It's like, "Who's new phone? Who's who this?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, maybe not literally call Godzilla, but oh, if only Godzilla were here. And then, sure enough. He turns up in the third act yeah. and then kicks some butt. And then everybody's like, thanks, Godzilla. And he's like, Burr, and goes back into the sea. Yeah. That's, Bye-bye. That's the, that's the formula of a Godzilla movie. Bye-bye. I, yeah, I think I, I, it, like when it comes to when it comes to monster movies, I feel like often in monster movies, like the more you see the monster kind of like the, the less cool it is. Right. And this is, more for horror movies than anything i guess but like i think it, i think it's kind of the same for i mean this is all for all intents and purposes a kind of a horror movie right it's like it's a, yeah. it's certainly presented that way it's not a movie that has a lot of fun with itself it's it's quite serious and it's it's kind of more taken in the serious disaster tone than yeah, anything else especially because it's from the perspective of uh the human characters yeah yeah, yeah. And you're seeing it from like the ground level of buildings toppling and fireballs exploding through the night sky. It, like it's it's presented as yeah. objectively terrifying. Yeah, like like fil- also punctuated by moments of legitimate awe. Yeah, as titans battle over top of you. Yeah, but so from that perspective, like if you if it was just wall to wall Godzilla, I think it would get actually kind of exhausting over yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I'm still, I'm still disappointed that they robbed me of two giant monster fights. <laughs> like, I, I feel like, I feel like we've seen enough, like, kind of of the. We've talked about this in the podcast, sort of like the era of all movies have become disaster movies because they all in, involve aliens or something trashing a cityscape. And I think we've we've seen enough of that where too much of it, cough cough, looking at you, DC universe, gets really boring <laughs> when you spend an hour with two things trashing a city whereas giving them little glimpses i think is i'm about to get real with both of you here yeah is that is that post hurricane katrina influence or is that post 9-11 influence um because hurricane katrina was the the big natural disaster that like devastated a city and left people hunkered down in a sports arena yeah, yeah. waiting mm, for their lives to come yeah. back together. And so I'm wondering if that maybe informed it, but at the same time, like toppling buildings, dusty cities, people running for their lives, that's that's 9-11. And that's also been something, like both of those, I feel, have been informing the way that a lot of these movies with big disastrous set pieces have been presented yeah, in American called, media yeah, for the better part of like a couple decades now, because yeah. they're like those, those kinds of incidents leave a mark on a nation's psyche and it's going to be reflected in its art. Yeah. And so, but I'm curious, is this movie more informed by the hurricane Katrina disaster, which would make sense because Kaiju are kind of natural disasters in Pacific Rim, they're literally categorized as hurricanes. Yeah. That's that's on the nose, right, but it's yeah. fair. And but at the same time, like a city being like 
skyscrapers collapsing, a city being destroyed. Floods Certainly, I would areas. say Man of Steel is informed by 9-11. Oh, for sure, 100%. Um, so, I'm yeah, I'm curious what your guys' opinion on that is. I don't know if I have an opinion on it, to be honest. I mean, I, 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 I think you're probably right. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I feel, I feel like this one, this one, yeah, I think this one, I think, is does kind of call back, yeah, to Hurricane Katrina and even, like, some of the tsunamis in the in the Pacific. Yeah. Um, because I think the, I read something, even the scene where Godzilla first uh, comes out, because he comes uh, out in Hawaii, right? Yeah, in... Uh, uh, so, like, the, the where, where all of a sudden, like, the, the doggy and the, and, the, and the, or the girl notices that, like, all of a sudden, like, the water suddenly disappears, because apparently that was reference to, like, that was... So witness accounts of being in a tsunami, that's what happens. All of a sudden, just yeah. like the, the water like disappears from the shore. Yeah. Like yeah. really quick. Yeah, the, the tsunami in, in uh, South Asia. Yeah. I, I, for, I'm totally blanking on the country that yeah. happened to, which makes me... It's Indonesia, was it, was it not? Yeah, there yeah, was yeah. the Indonesian one. There was there was a more recent one in Sri Lanka, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but it, yeah, I think, yeah. Like they, they think, I think, yeah, I think both those events, yeah, probably. Yeah, the more... Having chewed on it now while we were discussing it, I think I'm leaning more on the Hurricane Katrina tsunami yep. element. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, little bit of little bit of real talk <laughs> yeah. sprinkled in. Uh, should we dive into the cuts? Yes. Who wants to cut first? Well, can I cut an event? Because I'm going to cut Brian Cranston dying. <laughs> yes. I, don't, I, I think that it's fair for him to die in the movie, but I don't think he should have died so early. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think there should have been a little more payoff to him getting a little vindication for what happened to the nuclear plant. I kind of also want to cut Aaron Taylor Johnson entirely. Kind of. <laughs> I 100% want to cut Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's To me, he's the he's the first extra to star in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? See, I was going to make the joke that this is almost a zombie movie because he just zombies his way through the entire film. Oof. Yeah, I don't like, no, like for, I think, yeah. No, keep Brian. Yeah, like, I'm I'm fine with keeping him, but don't make him the star. Yeah, he's very, he's extremely dull. I or you I mean you've got I mean he's got to be more fully realized and and a, a you know and have a bit more like after his dad dies. I'm not sure like he doesn't he doesn't have a ton of motivation. I mean, obviously he's trying to get back to his wife and kid who just conveniently happened to be directly in the path of all the giant monsters yeah but that's like he's he's literally it's literally a travel journey like there's no there's no character journey that i can define yeah no. yeah that's no, fair he's like he's not a he wasn't a bad dad so he's doing the good dad thing, and trying to get back to his family so there's no like there's no growth or change going on or anything like that yeah there's um there's like a hint of that where he didn't keep his promise to his son that he'd be there in the morning, but it's it's it it's just like one line and it's never referenced again. He's kind. He's, yeah. he's kind. I, I I was actually when I was thinking about this movie, I was always almost ready to call him the most useless like lead in a movie ever. But then I remember, okay, well he does save that one little boy and on the train. That's Damn. nice. He does blow up the one Muto, which had all the eggs, or he kills, destroys all the eggs. But other than that. Like they 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 pump him up as him being like this uh, like this like weapons or like bomb kind of disposal person. He kind of deactivates all these bombs, and he gets called in to do that. But he doesn't even do that. No, get a in to the that. end of the movie, he's unable to yeah. deactivate the bomb. So he's yeah. So so it's weird where you have like yeah like I'm on board with with keeping Brian Cranston because I think you have a much more interesting movie where you've got Brian Cranston teaming up with the Monster Squad. 
with Ken Watanabe and Mrs. Brown from and Mrs. Paddington. And Mrs. Brown. Also, just throw in Paddington there. I think that'd be great, too. Um, but, like, having them having them actually, you know, they get the benefit of all his research he's gathered over the years and having a bit of a chase. And, yeah, you can yeah. maybe have... Because none of that pays off in any way. Yeah. Like, his really. whole, like, him researching, like, echolocation and stuff like that. Like, it doesn't... It doesn't, it, and, and, it, and actually, there's a there's a point in the movie where it just like it flops really, really heavily, like when they they pull Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson into like the conference room on the on the hel- or the aircraft carrier, and they're like, "We need your help. Um, can you tell us yeah. what your dad did? And can tell him tell us about his research?" And he's like, "I didn't listen." <laughs> yeah, I think he said something about echolocation. Oh, well, thanks. I guess we're sending you it, home now. It, and as me as like, I'm like, then why did you just kill that character if you just if you needed him story wise? Well, and and then like the the lead at that point is so useless to the monster hunting squad. They send him home. Yeah. Like yeah. that's. That's the next story beat. Whereas you know Brian Cranston would have then joined the monster hunting squad. Yeah, like, yeah. ugh, ugh, that is that is a painful thing. Yeah. To I feel I feel like if we if we're, if we're not going to cut Ford Brody, well, first of all, we're cutting his name Ford Brody because it's the worst name I've heard in a movie ever. <laughs> um, but I think if I was thinking if we're if we're going to keep keep him, we need we need to change him a little bit. Maybe just change like, and maybe this is I'm, I'm skipping ahead to the changes, but like maybe make him a scientist. Yeah, trying to it, it's more interesting a motivation for him to have become a scientist than for him to have just become another generic military boy yeah. number two. Yeah, because Army he would he would have dude. the motivation to like research nuclear science because he might be curious what happened at that nuclear plant. And so now he's followed into like nuclear engineering. And then he also then has knowledge that might be useful when dealing with monsters that eat nuclear radiation and breathe nuclear fire. Yeah. Um, I also don't like the relationship between him and Brian Cranston in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's antagonistic to Brian Cranston, despite the fact that he has no real reason to be. It's not... Oh, he does. He, not I mean, he's really. Like, he's kind of an absent father that that pulled him away from his child because he got arrested in Japan. Like, I think, I think that part's fairly well established. Yeah, but I mean, it, there's a strongly implied underlying... Um, underlying antagonism that seems to go back to the accident that I don't think is necessarily fully earned. Especially considering Brian Cranston is a man who's clearly still trying to deal with the death of his wife and the mystery around why that happened. And you think that his son would be more sympathetic rather than antagonistic about that. Yeah. Like, Dad, you maybe he could still be against him. He could, st- but it, sh- it should be more like, Dad, you need help. Not, why are you doing this? Stop it, Mom is dead. Yeah, I, I think what's surprising to me is that um, the movie goes out of this out of its way to put Brian Cranston in this impossible position where he's he's got to either kill his wife by closing the blast doors when the when the nuclear power plant's collapsing. Or kill everybody else by trying to by waiting too long for her to get there. And he made the absolute right call. Yeah, and and that is never it's never really brought up again. And I would expect in 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 a in a better screenplay that that Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson's character would be would hold resentment against his father for essentially killing his mother. Right. Even yeah. even though like even in her dying moments she was like you did the right thing. Yeah. 
I mean, he, like basically, because like Aaron Terry Johnson doesn't know that he no. doesn't. He wasn't. He wasn't there, so he's going to imagine. And you know what? That just, would be that would certainly be a better motivation for him to be angry at his dad than what we get, which is just yeah. yeah. I mean, if, like, if you if you spend a little bit of time uh, in the opening scene setting up uh, uh, Brian Cranston as someone who um, is too much into his job and not enough into his family and sort of like uh, doesn't doesn't necessarily treat his wife the way she's supposed to be treated. He still loves her, you know, with all his heart, but like he's so engulfed he, in his own work. He's Reed Richards to her. <laughs> sure. Sue Storm. Yeah. But that 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 what that does is that you know you you put the kid in the position where he see he sees his dad being a not a great husband, and then that later on, of course, informs his character later when he's like, "You you basically murdered mom, and you didn't give a shit about her, right?" Yeah, that's that's one. That's bad. a that's a stronger uh, that's a stronger story than what we get. Yeah, yeah, and it would require. Brian Cranston to be around longer for it to yes, res- to really for it pay to off, pay off, yeah. yeah. Uh, which yeah, is then, which is one of the reasons can... I like it because then there's a longer journey that the two of them need to take together. Yeah. So, and that would allow um, you could have some sort of moment towards the end of the film where Brian Cranston essentially sacrifices himself to save his you know son or in grandson or whatever, yeah. and that kind of redeems him in in Aaron Taylor Johns's eyes or something like that. Yeah. I mean, if we're gonna stick with this. With the human drama sort of plus Godzilla movie, then that's probably the way to go. Yeah, I think I think we're all on board with with killing Brian Cranston, but just doing it at the end of the movie, not yeah. in the first. Doing it in a more fun, inventive way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. first half we, of hour. We dove straight into changes here, <laughs> yeah, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll kind of peel it back. I have two other things I would cut from the movie. Um, number one, my one cut is... It looked great in the trailer, but I think in the movie it's kind of awkward. And that's the like the halo jump, um, because the the that scene where they're where they're jump we're jumping out and it's got they have the red smoke and they've got the music from two thousand one Space Odyssey playing. <laughs> uh, that it's really good in the trailer because it sets up just the size and the sheer mass of Godzilla. Because and then and in this movie. Godzilla is the biggest Godzilla on screen out of all the Godzilla movies, so he's like like 300 feet or whatever it is. Um, so in the trailers, it looks great because it really sort of sets up like, holy cow, this is a massive Godzilla. Um, but in the movie, they it's it feels kind of awkward because we've already seen Godzilla by this point. We already know how big he is, what he looks like. So it kind of feels like sort of like hammed in a little bit. So I'd cut that scene. Yeah, that's a good point. That's I hadn't thought of that. That like you already kind of you already knew. Yeah, we've exactly already we've already gone we've already, gone, was, we've already yeah. gone there. The other thing I would cut though, and this is where I might disagree with with Scott a little bit, is that I feel like there's a lot of bang bang boom boom army shooting going on, which they establish pretty early that it's really ineffective. But through the course of the movie, there's just every time a monster shows up, the army guys bring out their machine guns and they start shooting at it. And I feel like I would want to pull that back to like, okay, have have the army shooting at all the monsters, but then quickly, and maybe this is where we pull in uh, the monster squad and uh, and um, and Brian Cranston and be like, all right, nothing we have works on these things, so let's not waste our time sending soldiers out. The, on little on boats and stuff like that with their machine guns to try to protect anything because it's not going to work. Like I feel like it was. I feel like I feel like this movie kind of dealt. What kind of took me out of the movie a little bit was just it was a little. It was a little bit of the jingoism of the the heroic soldiers and, and 
you know, lots of guns and missiles and stuff going off, which they established really early, doesn't really do a lot. Um, you can still have the military there and they're a yeah. focal point, but not just be like, let's send some dudes out with some machine guns to protect let's the keep, missile. Let's keep flying jets over top of these giant monsters that we know can knock our jets out of the sky yeah, like with, so much. with EMP and stuff like yeah. that. Or let's get this thing on a boat. Let's get a missile on a boat and put out to sea when it's like, well, they can kind of just stop that. Is it a rowboat? Should it be a rowboat? Yeah, should it be a rowboat? Yeah. <laughs> get get out that kayak. Let's get this missile out into the water. Um it would be it would be interesting if they had established that maybe the weapons don't harm them but do something. Yeah. to justify them continuing to shoot at them. Like, oh, it's it's distracting them or oh, yeah. you know, it it messes with their echolocation. So, I don't yeah. know. Like then at least you have a reason to justify them continuing to roll out tanks and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there comes a point where it's like you're just wasting lives at this point. You might yeah. as well just get out of the way. But if you could establish that maybe by fighting it, they were hurting it Yeah. to try to keep it as far away from people as possible, that, that would be an interesting yeah, We think take. it actually does something rather than, other than okay, it other looks than cool on screen. Just keep but... throwing bombs. Maybe the next one will work. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing that I absolutely would want to keep is the train set piece on the bridge. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a really cool set piece. Um, I don't know how you still get Brody on the train. Uh, if we're planning to turn him into a scientist, <laughs> uh, no, maybe you still could, but I thought, I thought the whole train set piece was, was really strong. It was really cool. It was tense. It had the, the cool moment with the flaming train coming out of the tunnel mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh crap, it's all gone bad. Yeah. Uh, it was just top to bottom, a really good scene. Okay. So I would maybe look at cutting, um, how much the monster squad knows about Godzilla. Because I think that if they if they know less about him, like in the movie, the the in the uh, conceit is that all the nuclear tests during the Cold War were basically them trying to kill Godzilla. Which, Correct. by the way, is another thing that I would keep is that introduction mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie where like stuff is getting redacted oh, in yeah. front of our eyes. Yeah, the credits are great, and that is that is a plus yeah. that can stay. But I think like if they if they if they just figured that like well whatever they were they were firing at they killed um and uh when Godzilla does finally show up it's kind of more of a surprise to everybody I agree on principle but I'm going to add one little tweak to that mm. I think Ken Watanabe should be the one guy on the monster hunting team who's like I'm 100% certain we didn't kill that thing and I've seen evidence to suggest that uh, maybe it's not what we thought it was, that maybe we were trying to fight it, but it was not hostile to us. We were just afraid of it. And so he's the one guy who's like, I don't think, I, like, he's the one guy who's not surprised that Godzilla shows up. And then he's the one guy who's just like, stop shooting at it. It's here to fight the other monsters. And then that sets him a little bit against everybody too but it also it it gives that one person who's the voice of dissent who's like maybe not maybe not as all as it seems yeah if he's kind of like a low more of a low level guy making yeah. this kind of suggestion to maybe would make it it would make it his his suggestion seem 
Because I like the idea that like he's making this. Because on the face of it, that's a wild suggestion. Yeah. Like go let this other monster fight this other monster. That's a, it's a pretty wild thing to suggest. And I, I, if he was a lower level guy that was like trying to, to you know, you could you could con- combine Brian Cranston's credibility as like the guy who started to understand you know what the Mutos were all about. And through his studies, like combine that credibility with this guy's credibility, and then suddenly together they're like, "Yeah, that's what we should do." Yeah. yeah. So maybe Mrs. Brown from Paddington is the head of this group, yeah, instead of his assistant, and like he's considered the crackpot on the team, but he's so brilliant and he's such an expert on these monsters that they they can't afford to get rid of him, but they mostly just kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Godzilla was a good guy, sure, whatever, and then. Like, he gets his vindication in the movie when Godzilla actually does turn out to not be hostile to humans, but very hostile to other monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like that. that. Yeah. Again, we're diving into changes, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we did a lot of changes. That's okay. We can we can recap and even add more. Yeah, we'll, we'll iron things out in the next half. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kasoski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so naturally, it's a great fit. You can learn more right now at parkpower.ca. The Edmonton Public Library presents Overdue Finds, a podcast all about what you can find at the library. Join hosts Bryce Crichton and Caroline Land as they discuss movies, music, books, pretty much any sort of pop culture and media you can think of, and likely some you've never thought of. Catch it all every two weeks at epl.ca slash podcast. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes, Matthew Broderick List Godzilla Edition. Uh, we've talked about uh, what we would keep, we would cut, we've kind of uh, uh, talked a little about the changes we would make. Um, I think we'll, we'll collect all those change thoughts to make a Godzilla movie that even Godzilla would be proud of and not want to destroy with his atomic firecracker. Are there any big changes that we we didn't mention that you that someone had that we didn't mention in the first half? Other, <laughs> other than not killing Brian Cranston quite so early? Yeah, like I, I think we've I think we've got a, a fairly good vision of what this revamp movie looks like, uh, which is to say, more Brian Cranston, a lot more Brian Cranston, <laughs> um, more uh, Ken Watanabe. How do you say his name? Ken Watanabe. Watanabe. Well, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a kind of like a, a proposal from uh, or like an, an alternate idea between the dynamic between uh, Brian Cranston and. Um, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. So if we're making them both scientists, uh, what if we set that up so that uh, instead of Brian Cranston being the obsessed scientist trying to figure out what happened and where this all came from and his son being the guy who's just like, just let it go, dad, whatever. What if we tweak, what if we flip that? What if we actually make it so that Brian Cranston is just like, it was just a terrible accident. It was a nuclear thing. It's time to move on. But his son is actually, you know, obviously traumatized from the event. He's been the one that's actually been doing all this research and trying to uncover all this stuff. So when, when finally uh, they meet up with the Monster Squad uh, and he's got all this research, they actually have another person to, like, 
you know, they can still talk signs to each other and they're, you know, and that kind of builds, kind of builds up their dynamic a little bit. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about that is that we get less Brian Cranston and I want more. You want more Brian Cranston? (laughs) He's just such a good actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to suggest something that may possibly sound insane, but just, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Bear with me for a second. Because I, I almost feel like what this movie is screaming for is a Roland Emmerich treatment. Now, I realize in saying that, that Roland Emmerich already did a Godzilla movie, and it was horrible. But when it, the movie is treated as a fairly serious disaster film, and one of the best approaches for disaster films is a, a big ensemble cast a la Independence Day um, where all these uh, different characters with their own motivations and side stories sort of you know coalesce into uh, a singular story towards the end and that's how I that's how I feel about this movie could be um, you know Brian Cranston and wife is plot a um, bomb guy with uh, and uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen as plot B, and then the Monster Squad C, and, and so on and so forth, and and they sort of like coalesce together as the movie sort of progresses, right? Yeah, I kind of I could get behind that. Where rather than following one story through the whole movie, you're following a couple, and that would also actually fix one of my one real beefs with the plot is that there's it's a bit contrived because uh, Brody ends up conveniently in the location of all of the monster attacks. Like the monsters might as well be following him. Yeah. And that's patently ridiculous. And it like, there was a point where I was just like, of course his wife and son are in the path of the giant monsters. And of, of course his son happens to get on the bus that's on the bridge that Godzilla steps on. Like, because of course it did. And, by spreading out the the people that were following a little bit, it's a little less contrived because then they're all dealing with their own separate monster problems that are all converging at the same time that they're all coming together with the solution to the monster problems. So I, I can get behind that. I kind of like that. Change, I feel like you'd actually. probably get to even get to see a little bit more, more about more of everyone, right? And especially with, you know, the, the like this history, this backstory of mon- of they're they're called Monarch. We keep calling them Monster Squad because it sounds more fun. Yeah. But I mean, learning a little bit more about and maybe because this movie was supposed to set up this this you know this shared universe and Monarch is clearly one of the main hinges of that. Yeah, and so and so maybe when you when you split the when you split those off a little bit and you've got um, uh, Ken and <laughs> Ken and Mrs. Brown uh, on their parts, you actually get to tease some a little bit more and maybe showing a little bit more about. Why do they? How do they know so much about Godzilla? Maybe you know, and exploring that a little bit more, or even maybe teasing. Maybe you know, you have a little teaser about Kong in there, or maybe whatever else they're planning to do. Uh, you need to be careful with that. That's one yeah. of the reasons why the Mummy movie yeah. was so bad is because they spent so much time queuing up all the stuff that well, they yeah. wanted to do later that they forgot to focus on the movie they were making. Yeah. And so I think, I think that there is the exact right amount of other monsters in this movie, which is to say none at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they kept it focused on Godzilla and the monster of the week that he's fighting. Yeah. And I think that that's the right choice 
right now at least. Yeah. 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 But it would yeah, but I guess so what I'm saying is it'd be nice to kind of to learn a little bit more about the the structure of Monarch, who's involved, yeah. that sort of stuff. So and yeah. you don't you don't have to throw everything out at that like yeah, like what they did with 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 the mummy, but um yeah, just maybe just spend a little more time with Learning that. learning a little more about the Monster Hunter organization, certainly. I would I would get behind. Yeah. Uh like yeah, where like where do they get their funding? Are they an international organization? Uh, yeah, which that certainly is implied, but not yeah. outright stated. Yeah, yeah. I I think <laughs> it, they would Monarch would be sort of more interesting to me if they were this kind of fringe group that uh, had theories that were kind of outside the scientific community. Yeah, you know they've been they've been hunting down. They're kind of like storm chasers. <gasps> oh, we get a little twister in there. They're kind of like storm chasers. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I really like that. But if, if if other people see them almost as like conspiracy theorists because they believe the Cold War was all about killing a giant monster or something like yeah. that, right? Like they they have like these sort of weird weird wild ideas, right? And uh, and and that that's kind of how they they uh, meet up with. Uh, Cranston, I guess. Yeah, because he all on his own because of his history. Uh, you know, he he's he starts to, um, you know, uh, research all these theories and stuff like that, and the, and and they end up kind of coalescing at the at the uh, plant site, the destroyed plant site. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that, and I again, I like the idea of them being storm chasers, especially when it ties into kaiju as natural disasters. Yeah, that's. That's a really nice take on that. And then they gain credibility by the Godzilla attacks. Yeah. And now the military's like, oh, well, now we're sub, here's money. Fix our monster problem. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly they're no you longer a fringe here. group. They're like, they're the leading experts on this existential threat that's happening. Yeah. yeah it, it, and it might make that whole scene where the, the first kaiju hatches a little bit more exciting if you know, Brian Cranston and, and the Monster Squad get captured by the military together. And, you know, the Monster Squad is saying, like, you're you're still feeding this egg. You Like, we're telling you that you can't keep feeding it because, you know, something, you know, is, this, something's, is, something's going, to going to hatch, right? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, whatever, you don't know anything. And then... Sure know. enough, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That is a great change. I like that. Sold. <laughs> coming coming up for months for Godzilla 3 or yeah, 4, so apparently. So you've got Brody, who's with the military, so we can keep an eye on the military plot. Yeah. You've got Ken Watanabe and Mrs. Brown leading the, the Monster Hunter squad. You've got Brian Cranston's more personal journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. <laughs> I mean, the, at the fundamentally, the giant monster stuff is fine. It's mostly the human stuff that needed <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, although we will let's 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 appease Scott here and actually add a little a little more monster monster punching. Uh, the second monster fight we're denied. We shouldn't have been denied. Yes. Or the first one, one or the other. We shouldn't yeah. have been denied both. Yes. There we go. Yeah. It I, made I, me angry. I think I think the the Hawaii the Hawaii scene is is more fun if we don't really expect Godzilla to to suddenly to show up. Uh, and I think the movie movie kind of telegraphs too much that Godzilla's on his way. I know yeah. this is a movie called Godzilla, but like, you know, if we if 
if we know if we know for certain that like the movie presents itself as like we know every you know somebody out there already knows everything there is to know about kaijus and i don't think that's fun i think it's way more fun if like if 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 the, the they have theories and then suddenly these theories just explode right in front of their faces yeah. like oh it's all true and the, and yeah. and, the, and the monster from that they're trying to kill in the uh, in the Pacific is real and suddenly he's beating the crap out of another gaiju this is crazy yeah you know and, and then from from that point on you know because they talk about um, Godzilla being an alpha predator and that's and and that's great i like the whole idea like oh he's going he's Godzilla he's an alpha wants to be the strongest he, monster yeah and he, he you know he's he's going to he's going to go get his kill and he uh, he needs to he needs to feed or whatever um and since we already established that Brian Cranston had been spending all this time um with working on echolocation and studying it and animals and stuff like that that's his way of of uh getting more involved in the story in trying to lure Godzilla towards the Mutos, right? Yeah. So the the Mutos are in San Francisco destroying everything and the military is totally impotent against them. They don't know what to do. And then that's when um, Ken and the Monster Squad, you know, have this crazy idea like, well, we need we need another monster to fight that monster. It's the only way we're going to get rid of him. And he's an alpha predator. And then they use the echolocation to draw Godzilla to the Mutos. And I think, I think, cause like the one of the problems I have with this movie is that, um, everything that the humans are doing seems pretty helpless. Like the fact that like Godzilla turns out to be, um, a good guy in the end. It's like, it's, it's, it's an interesting twist, but it's not like, it's not super satisfying because like the humans did absolutely nothing to get to that point. They're just basically sitting there watching it and going, Oh wow, this is crazy. Isn't it? But yeah, it gives the humans a little more agency. You're right. If they, if they're the ones who summon Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean like, and you know, you can, you, you saw him destroy, basically destroy all of Hawaii. Right. So, there's some tension of like, is this plan actually going to work, or 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 are we going to are we going to just destroy yeah. all of America? Is Godzilla misunderstood like the Hulk, or is he uh, a terrifying, dangerous monster like the Hulk? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I, I just remembered this that I thought was silly with the movie and it, it, Anita was the one who really pointed this out. And when I was, I was like, yeah, they go to Yucca mountain to find the other Muto egg. Cause it's like, where do, where have you dumped all of your nuclear waste? Well, Yucca mountain. So they drive off to Yucca mountain to go and check on the egg that was dumped there. And Oh my God, we didn't notice the giant monster that had already yeah, burrowed out the I back of the mountain and made its way to, too. to Las Vegas. Wait, Somehow we totally missed that. I like, guess. how did nobody notice that in the drive up to the mountain? The kaijus are, are pretty good at hiding. Yeah. I mean, you, they can be very quiet when they yeah, want to be. <laughs> they would, sneak up on people at one point. Do you think, like, if you're close to it, like, the the internal workings of their of their biology would be so deafeningly loud that you would not be able to ignore it? Like, I assume they've got some sort of heart that's pumping fluid through their systems, right? Yeah. So, Especially the bug-looking ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, with their translucent bellies, like there's not a lot of stuff there to sort of muffle sound. I feel, as far I feel, as I'm like, I feel like that part was that was I had a bit of an eye roll there. Where it, they're like, "This one, this room, nope, everything's in this room." 
Wait, this room is empty, and it's like the the giant bug. The back like of the mountain almost, is collapsed, is and there's a giant bug all the way down. It's, like no, has, in Las Vegas. Like yeah. honestly, kind of shades to bring this all back to uh, Roland Emmerich, where in his Godzilla movie, the Godzilla kept hiding quite frequently. Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, maybe it was a call to that, and I realize <laughs> I'm saying that now, having said that, I wanted to keep the train scene verbatim, despite the fact that the kaiju literally sneaks up on them in that scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Visually, it's very nice. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, like any science fiction movie is going to strain your suspension of disbelief, and that's kind of normal. So, And sometimes yeah. things like that are done... Um, not beca- not necessarily because it's logical, but because for the purposes of the movie, it creates a lot more tension, right? Um, uh, so sometimes I can forgive that as long as the, the rest of the movie around it is, is a little bit better. Fair enough. Yep. So yeah, I think in the end, we can all agree, Godzilla 2014, pretty good movie. Pretty good. Yeah. Could have been maybe a little better. Did I hate myself after watching it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Nope, not like some of the uh, of the movies in our recent past. Yeah, we we watched this was this, this season, was a reward. This season, <laughs> yeah, this season overall has been a rough one, and we've this, watched some tough ones this year. Yeah, this this movie was definitely a reward <laughs> for some of the real tough ones that we've yeah, sat through. For sure, uh, made me less of a fan of Aaron Taylor Johnson, though. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's like I don't want to see him in anything ever again. Not even a cracker commercial. Uh, you too can get in on the note having you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll let you know what movie is coming on, and you can get your get your thoughts right on the show. Uh, we've uh, we'll we'll always ask what's one thing you would change. And we actually got uh, some multiple changes here. So uh, Aaron asks, uh, "How stupid are you, people?" Well, Aaron, I asked you to stay tuned. How stupid are we? Yeah, you tell I mean, us. I mean, if do you want a number rating, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, hard to say. I think we were. I th- I think we were pretty fair on this movie. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, like we've looked at other movies that we all objectively were like, we kind of like this movie. Yeah. We're still gonna try to tweak it up. Like Pacific yeah. Rim, we all kind of like Pacific Rim. Yeah, it could have been better. I feel, feel like I like this more than Mighty Pacific Ducks. Rim. We all came out yeah. of Mighty Ducks going, that wasn't a bad movie. That's Still tweaked the, it up. That's yeah. the brilliant. That's the that's the thing that I think a lot of a lot of you know sometimes people are like I, I hate critics. I don't like you know. But the thing is like that's half the fun of pop culture is you you see a thing and then you talk about a thing yeah. <laughs> and that's the best part doesn't, of it. Doesn't mean we didn't like this movie. And it doesn't mean that we're not excited to see the next one with Rodan Mothra and King Ghidorah in it. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, and actually a kind of a stellar cast. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Aaron. We're right there with you, buddy. We liked yeah. the fi- we liked the film. Doesn't mean we weren't going to try to make it just a little bit better. Thanks uh, for listening to our stupid yeah. show. <laughs> uh, Matt says one hundred percent more uh, Jean Reno. Well, one hundred percent more than zero percent is yes. still zero percent. So, Matt Mercer, <laughs> congratulations! You got your wish, no matter what. Uh, Andrew has got a uh, got uh, got some uh, diff- uh, some different ideas here. So uh, he says, I actually like this one, but I know I'm in the minority. I don't think I don't, so. I think I think I think you're in the majority, Andrew. I would say. Uh, I like the slow burn, and I thought the human perspective was an interesting take. I also like the idea that mo- like the idea that monsters are essentially Greek titans that have been around for thousands of years, lying dormant, which I think is sort of the central plot of the, the new one. That's yeah, 
coming out. At least no, from what I'm, I've seen in the trailers. I'm I'm a hundred percent behind that. Um, that new one's a continuation of this one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's a direct sequel. Yeah. What would have made it better in my uh, in my honest opinion is to leave out the origin component and have it jump off established a Japanese continuity. Although at which point it's hard to say. Uh, Muta was also a weak villain, uh, and I would have preferred a lesser known established villain than something entirely new. Biolante. There you go. Uh, uh, no, that's <laughs> that's a terrible idea. Um, though Biolante def- is actually a Godzilla. Are we ever going to get Mecha Godzilla? Do you think? I I legit hope that the third movie is we we built a robot to punch Godzilla in case we need to. <laughs> And here's our Mecha Godzilla, and the, the Mecha Godzilla goes rogue. Well, that's, oh, no. But that's basically what Mecha Godzilla does. Like you're joking about it, but that's the plot. We made a we made a robot Godzilla to fight monsters when Godzilla's not around. Oh God, the robot Godzilla has gone crazy. Where's Godzilla to fight our robot Godzilla? I I unironically want that to be the third movie so bad. Uh, also, the uh, just to answer his initial thing. Uh, to jump off of the Japanese continuity would have been pure madness because it would have required people to have an encyclopedic knowledge of a lot of cult movies. Yeah, there have I think to this point there have been thirty Godzilla movies. Maybe. Yeah, there's and a I lot of them. It, yeah, twenty nine of those are the Japanese ones. So uh, he says, I'm, uh, Andrew continues. I'm, unfortunately, I'm concerned the pendulum has swung too far the other way with the new one. The what trailers are one hundred percent nostalgia fuel for me, but I am not entirely entirely sure how it's going to make any sense and, and be as badass as it looks. I also have a lot of trust in uh, Doherty, though he is a great uh, storyteller. Yeah, I mean, let's. I feel like they recognize that there wasn't enough giant monster fights in this movie, so they've kind of made sure that there's going to be just wall-to-wall giant monster fights in the next movie. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, And our uh, former podcast guest, uh, Cinematological, says he has three three points. Number one, more Godzilla. Number two, less boring people. (laughs) And number three, a finished screenplay. (laughs) I think that's fair. Yeah, more or less. We finished it, so you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, (laughs) Cinematological. Uh, yeah, and you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. If you like the show, please consider rating or reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can find our episodes on the CKOA Radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now for our next episode of some unnamed movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> Won't be Godzilla 2014 or 1998. Why don't you, dear listener, tell us which movie yeah, we should fix? Yeah, we'll take suggestions. Yes. You uh, let us know what you want, what you want us to uh, chat about, and we will consider it for your listening pleasure. Yeah, we might also have some exciting announcements coming up. Oh yes, yes. So I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just tease. This things, is the teaser. Trailer. Things are happening. This yes. is just the teaser trailer for it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thanks uh, for spending some time with this uh, silly little podcast. There are one million podcasts out now, so if you spent uh, any time with us, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we will chat with you next time. Keep watching the skies. For Rodan.